0: Let's dive into today's topic. Welcome to the HR for Small Business podcast. This is your host Brandon Laws. Today I'm with owner and CEO of Career Makers, Peter Pascal. He specializes in career counseling and outplacement retention. He's got 33 years in the business and has helped over 8,000 individuals find and create new and rewarding opportunities. Peter, it's awesome to have you here.
1: Thank you. Glad to be here.
0: So you actually, you sent me this this article I loved. It's called The Truths of a Job Search or yep. Career Tr- Transition. So I wanted to center our discussion around that article and okay. just kind of pick your brain on it and, and elaborate on some of the points that you make. I think it's going to be helpful for this audience in particular, it's HR professionals. So whether they're in career transition or they're helping employees through career transition, I think this is going to be perfect content for them. Okay. So one of your first points, you said that employers tend to hire people they, they know and like versus somebody who, at least this is what I came up with, a diverse background, diverse experience, and, and somebody who doesn't maybe think and look the same way as them.
1: Well, Why? I think what Why happens is that, is that from a job seeker's perspective, they have a lot of anxiety, fears, apprehension, a lot, a lot of questions, and not nearly enough answers for them. Mm-hmm. And that's well and good. What we don't understand, I think, but if we're in the position we do, is how anxiety-producing it is for the person who is hiring somebody. They're fearful of making a mistake. Mm. You know, so and they got
0: the safe bet.
1: Yeah. yeah. And so, if if I can get a referral, or if I can hire somebody I know, if I can hire who somebody who is similar, someone who is like-minded to my area of interest, I'm much more likely to do something with that person rather than a stranger.
0: The referral is a good point because you're almost outsourcing the decision in in a way. You're saying, "Well, this is this person recommended them." Absolutely. So I take almost the responsibility off me as the recruiter, and now it's oh, it's it's their when I see.
1: In my business, that probably 80 to 85% of my clients, the people who are trying to find or create new, better, fantastic jobs, are landing or creating those jobs through personal referrals. 80 to 85%. That's a remarkable number. It's
0: a, and it's I, a and summer. I think
1: that we sort of know that from the hiring. You know, if I can hire somebody, referral, promotions from within, all those things are emotional driven. You know, I want to reduce my anxiety. I want to put more value on the I know in contrast to the I wonder. And if we're hiring or talking to people we don't know, we see this resume or something like that or an application, there's still a lot of I, I wonders attendant with that. If I can get a referral or somebody that I have acquaintances with, I'm more in the I know, both in the emotional sense, which is very important, and the analytical sense. People tend to hire people they know or I've been referred to them. And I see that happening every day.
0: And you said 80 to 85% of the time that they're hiring somebody they know or within, a, within a network. Do you see that changing ever?
1: <laughs> uh, no, it's been pretty, actually it's been pretty steady. I mean, I think we give, there's a lot of fluff, if you will, a lot of static out there about online applications and, you know, all the, the stuff that is out there. But people are still hiring people. You know, people still have the anxieties and the fears. Those haven't gone away. You know, we tend to suppress it. We tend to talk to the rightness of and the level of communication that has to do with laws, rules, regulations, EEO, affirmative action. Those are all part of the fabric of our culture, certainly. But when it comes down to the hiring person, that really hasn't changed. Those anxieties, those fears, they haven't changed. They're still there.
0: So it sounds like, okay, if this isn't going to change. Then 80 to 85% is they're going to hire people that they know and like or a referral or whatever it is. But somebody within a network, it's a safe decision. So job seekers they obviously need to be networked and connected. Absolutely. If they aren't then they're one of the 10 15 20%. Those are not good odds.
1: No, not good odds at all. I mean I think we have to have a balanced approach to this process. We have to look at this as a process, understand the process which most job seekers don't understand and have a balanced approach. If you talk to an expert and I like to think I'm an expert. You are. An and expert. From my experience, professional experience, that probably 80 to 85% of my clients are finding and creating jobs through personal referrals. That's networking. That's people interaction. Then I should have a balanced approach that leans heavily towards that. And that the isolation of sitting home by myself behind the computer should be 10%.
0: Which is all too common nowadays, yeah.
1: though. But it's just, for most people, it's just the reverse. You know, I'm sitting at home, you know, looking at the internet because we're told Brainwashed, if you will, that everything we need to know today is on the internet, right? Not so much. Not so much. You know, but we've been told that, and and it's easier. And I, since I have, I have a sense that I can control my destiny by grazing the internet, not fully understanding that the process is working against me because the internet is used more from the job search. I I believe has more to do with deselecting people than selecting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, we have companies, and I'm sure I think you guys are familiar with this. You know, whether it's PeopleSoft or Taleo. You know, we have they're called applicant tracking systems. Yep. You're familiar with those. Oh yeah, it filters what's, people what's out. What's the missing word there? It's called an applicant tracking system. What's the missing word?
0: Filtration system. Hiring. Know. Hiring. It has system. Has nothing to do with hiring. <laughs>
1: You know, so we have all this stuff on the internet and it has more to do with satisfying laws, rules, and regulations that companies must adhere True. to. But it had nothing to do with hiring. But it seems
0: like, from my perspective, it's it's about efficiencies as well. Like those tools are about, yeah, abiding by the laws, of course, and collecting the information that you need to, but it's about cutting down on, on wasted time of sifting through resumes, but then it's just filtering out people that may be actually qualified. I mean, I've
1: seen many times where one of my clients, and I know that, just, I'm talking about my clients because mm-hmm. they're people I know, who through their network, who creating and establishing, reestablishing, enhancing relationships with people and companies and organizations that they know are offered opportunities and then they say, Well the job is yours, but now we've got to post it.
0: Out of requirements. Yes,
1: out of laws, out of requirements. Yeah. And so they go they do a posting and people who are not there see it on the internet and say, Oh, I can do that job.
0: So yeah. is this the hidden job market yes, that you're referring is. to? Yep. In your, in your article, you mentioned that. And I wanted to ask you, I know it exists because I th- I'm pretty sure the job that I had when I first started eight years ago here was probably a, a job that was created out of thin air, wasn't necessarily posted, but I was aware of it through people. And then of course they posted it later. And
1: hmm. I'm saying to the chorus, hidden yep. job That's market. That's a hidden job market. So
0: those exist.
1: They're um, huge. Is
0: it abundant?
1: Well, there are more hidden jobs out there than you and I or the public would probably ever imagine. So
0: when I, by the time we see it on, on an email string or LinkedIn or on social, other social media outlets, the job has been available for a while. That's yep. kind of what you're saying.
1: Yeah. You're playing catch up. Yeah. You know, and for most of us who are playing catch up, the odds are somewhere between slim and none. That's why the job search takes so long. You know, what they see is, is kind of old news. Mm-hmm. You know, so I think that if people understand, from a process standpoint, how to be there sooner than later, then they're going to be more effective, they're going to be more dynamic, and it's going to be a whole heck of a lot easier for them to find and create things. But they need to understand the process, and I think that's the biggest challenge. In a sense, people in transitions don't want to be there. They're not very comfortable, particularly in in terms of the of the employment. For most people in transitions, they've probably lost their job. So they're entering into this transition process probably not in the best mindset, certainly not in the best emotional set. And so they tend to hide out and become isolated. They're scared. And and they get paralyzed because the process is working against them. They send a 100 resumes out to the black hole and they get two responses. Don't feel good about that. And the responses they won't get aren't what they really want. And and because they're all by themselves, you put those two things together, most of us just get paralyzed.
0: But what they really need to be doing, it sounds like if you want to access this hidden job market, you have to be networked.
1: You have have to to be networked, but you also have to have a focus about what it is that Mm. you'd love to be doing. And I think it's like building a house or even figuring out how to buy a car. You have to build a foundation of knowledge. And I think that's what we're really challenged to do is to understand our transferable skills, Mm. our traits, our characteristics, our values, all the things that make us the unique person, i.e. brand, but also start looking at areas of interest. Yeah. Most of the things that you and I are interested in, other people get paid to do. Why not you? Why not me? And I think we dismiss that because the old way, job search as I call it, is so hidebound by degrees, diplomas, and certificates. And that's fine if you want to stay moving forward in the same area of interest. Many people do. That's fine. Many people don't or can't. And and so therein lies a real conundrum, what am I going to do next? And I think that the more we take our areas of interest seriously, the things that differentiate between what we can do and what we want to do, there's where the energy is going to come from. And that's where networking, focused networking, uh, comes into play. And, And that's where you start accessing information. That's where you start accessing objectivity. That's where you start enhancing your relationships in targeted areas i mean if you're interested in cars you should be out networking with your friends and associates Mm -hmm. in the world of cars or if it's in cooking or baking and oftentimes we we don't do that because well i can't get paid to do that that's
0: interesting so like you kind of i think you said the brand everybody has a personal brand they just don't really know it or they don't enhance Upon it, they pigeonhole themselves sometimes into uh, like I've been doing this job forever, so these are the only skills I have. But if you if you were looking like, hey, I want to make a transition into something else, how do you highlight the skills that you do have, the the expertise that you have, the experience to highlight your, yourself in a way that will help you along in that transition? I mean, is is there a way to do that?
1: Yes, there is, and I think that number one is to to kind of I want to back up one step sure. to what you are said. I think the longer we're in a career path, whether it's an industry focused career path or whether it's job label career path, I think it's harder for us because we have these blinders on and the world has blinders on us too for us to imagine that we can do anything else. You can take a person who's been in software development for 30 years. He or she can't imagine or is very challenged to imagine that they can do something else. We can't. So that's a, that's an emotional issue for us, but we have skills. We have traits that are transferable to other areas of interest. So we need to start defining what those transferable skills are, and then we support our contention that we have those transferable skills and we're good at them by creating success stories, Mm. telling the world how successful we are, that we have achievements and we have results. If I have a skill of planning or organizing or facilitating, I need to be able to come up with achievements that are based upon using that skill. Yeah. So that, that becomes transferable. We want to stay away from the hidebound, historical, if I dare say, obituary resume. And then we talk about a skills brief or a qualifications brief that is also very different because it becomes a sales brochure rather than a resume or a historical document. I think if we want to change careers, certainly in particular, but even and want to stay on the same career path, you've got to be people focused. you got to get out. And talk to people, talk to people, anytime, anywhere, anyplace. And I think that's a real challenge for us to do. And it's a challenge for us to use the pronoun I because we've been told all these years it's bad manners. At the very least, it's impolite. But if you can't brag about yourself, you're going to be challenged.
0: When I read content online, I actually prefer when people write in the I, in the first person. I think it's more interesting. and
1: It is more interesting, isn't it? Most people don't do it. Yeah. You know, it's a third person. It's a, it's a narrative of, well, you know, where's Peter here? Where's Brandon here? Mm-hmm. You know, if you couple I with skills, that becomes a lot more powerful than just a listing of experiences. Yeah. So I think that for people who are looking or wanting to make a change in particular to talk about those transferables, own the transferable skills. I mean, I have a, I've had a lifelong passion for flying aviation and airplanes. And if I was to, move from the company I'm in now, if I sell career makers and and stay in the workforce, I'd want to go out and investigate the world of flying aviation and airplanes. When people think about those type of things, one of the first things they probably are told that you're not qualified, or you're too old, you're too young, you don't have enough of this. That's very easy for people to say, but I'm not shifting to my interest of flying aviation airplanes by a label or title. I didn't say I wanted to be a commercial pilot. I wanted to go out and investigate, I want to research mm. my, how my transferable skills of speaking, listening, planning, organizing, facilitating, problem solving, might be able to find or create an opportunity in that world of flying aviation and airplanes. Because that's something I truly have energy for, then I'm going to be able to get up this morning and know I'm going to go out and talk to Randy at Hillsborough Aviation to do an informational interview and build my network that way so then I'm talking about myself, I'm researching about myself and my transferables. That's a very different approach than just looking for work.
0: I'm glad you brought up the informational interviews. I feel like that's such an underutilized activity. We
1: don't know how to do it.
0: Why wouldn't we do it? If you know you have a little bit of interest, why wouldn't you want to go ask somebody questions like yourself, who's 30 plus years in, in of experience? Like, if I was interested in getting an out placement services and, or starting my own business or wanted to come work for you, why wouldn't I... Say, Peter, can I buy you a cup of coffee? Let
1: me just, can I ask fear. you some questions? Just fear, fear. of embarrassment, I
0: think. Or rejection. A
1: rejection, yeah. I don't know how to do we need it. need to get over that. But we know more about from the process. When I get with new clients, what I try to do is, because this is so intimidating to them, and trying to find or create a new job can be very overwhelming to them because it's so central, and I think there's so much information. What I try to do is say, if you ever bought a car, or if you've gone through a courtship, or if you ever bought a house, from a process standpoint, we're more gracious to ourselves when we're buying a car or buying a house or running an apartment or through a courtship than we are about finding a new, better, fantastic job. Think about it from a process standpoint. Oh, well, I never thought of that. And so I think that what we want to do is build a foundation of ownership and then network, make it easier. You know, I think that the people that know you and like you are much more to be gracious, are much more willing to put their thinking caps on for you than a stranger. But we, have been kind of told, well, you gotta get on the internet, you gotta get on LinkedIn, you gotta get on Facebook, you gotta social media, you gotta get a Twitter account. Well, that's fine if that's something you're really interested in, you're already there. But a lot of people aren't. And so that becomes very intimidating. Yeah. And they overlook the people right in their neighborhood, people they share their daily life with, their family, their friends, the people they hang out with, the volunteer. Those are the people you start networking with. And oftentimes you say, well, they don't know anything. Well, how do you know they don't know anything? Well, I've never heard of them. Have you ever asked them? Well, right. Uh, you know, I'd rather have 10 people in my network that care for me than 500 people on a social media, nine or 90% of whom who don't really know well, me. Well, that's
0: the thing about social media is it's like oversaturated with information now. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's really hard to stand out unless you're really committed to it. And I've seen people who have built a really good audience and a personal brand, but they have to be very committed. But and well, if you're starting at zero, that. yeah. See, they love that. Yeah.
1: I don't you know, so I need to do something else that I'm comfortable with. Mm-hmm. But we've been told if you're going to make a change, you've got to do all these things that are new and overwhelming and become fearful. And I get anxious about it. And then I'm not gonna do anything. So again, I think that it's a process that we do kind of know it, but we just don't believe in it.
0: In your article, you'd mentioned that, you know, as potential candidate or job seeker, their the employer's needs or the potential employer's needs or wants aren't as important as what you want. Absolutely. Why do you say that?
1: Well, you ever going to a grocery store?
0: All all the time. Been three times last week.
1: (laughs) Okay. And did you see lots of stuff there? Lots of stuff. A lot of options. Yeah. Did you buy it all? Nope. Did I say more? Yeah. I mean, I think that, again, there's so many options out there, or at least we, we perceive there are lots of options out there because they're on the internet. Yeah. You see, our gateway to information in today's world is the internet. And I think we forget that the Internet is one big paid, unregulated ad. I'm not saying it's bad, but the reality of it is that anybody can say anything and put anything on there. Sure. And so from a process of hiring people with all the laws and rules and regulations and the explosion of communication today, we see a lot of things on the Internet. A lot Which of- may or may not be real or be true or be appropriate. And so I think that if we start the beginning of the process and, and build the foundation of knowledge... A.K.A. before you go to the grocery store, you're much more likely to make a shopping list. So then you're not going to be sucked into getting the new better kumquats when you don't like kumquats. And and so I think that people don't do that enough. And they look. Uh, the easiest thing for me to do is look by labels and titles. So I get on the internet and I search by labels and titles, yeah. and I get sucked in by all the companies or all the things out there who are saying, "Come here, come here, come you here."
0: Fit, you're almost fitting it. You're fitting yourself into their their yeah. their vision. For and then what you it wonder looks why like.
1: you're not happy. Yeah. And why it doesn't work out? Why nothing's? If you go to the grocery store and you buy ten items, eight of which you don't want or need, how are you going to feel about that? On the other hand, if you go to the grocery store with a shopping list and you just buy the things that are on the list. You then you're start- probably going to be more successful and feel better about saving money or getting the products or produce or whatever it is that you want
0: let's relate this to the job seeker again now if if I'm going by the plan I'm you know my shopping list so to speak then that would basically mean if I'm networked with the right people, or I'm so clear about what I want, maybe there's a position out there that's not even available that I can carve out for myself. Absolutely. I mean, are you sort of saying
1: that? Absolutely. Or there's, inf- there's information out there, there are opportunities out there that you would never know that are out there because you haven't done enough depth in your research. I mean, I think that's the issue is that we don't do much because we're not focused, we don't understand the process. We tend to look at either things that we have done before or labels that we've had before and we tend to search by that, which is sort of a shotgun approach. And we wonder why we're not getting anything, or we're not seeing things, because we're just we're just skimming the surface. But if I'm interested in the things that I'm really interested in, I go out and start researching, I'm going to delve down and find things that, for example, if I am interested in, in apparel or sports equipment, so I, I start grazing. That's one of the things I'm going to research about or look at. And so I'm grazing on the internet, and I find companies like Adidas, or I find companies like uh, Nike, or I might find Columbia Sportswear, and I look at their sites, and I don't see anything there. Well, I guess that's it, and I graze on. to something else. What I've missed are the 200 other companies in Portland that are in that same area of interest that I've never seen because I don't drill down enough. We have we have so many small businesses here in Portland that don't advertise.
0: No, they just don't do a great job of broadcasting what they they have. Available.
1: No, why? Because I don't have an HR department. I mean, I got 50 employees. Yeah. You know, I hire people, I'm the general manager, I'm the owner, I'm the director, I'm the executive, whatever. I don't have HR. I'm going to hire somebody I know. You know, and so if I can't get to that person through my network, I'm never going to see that. That's the hidden job market. And oftentimes we say, well, if it's not a big company, I can't get paid. Well, that's hogwash. I mean, there are small companies that have great benefits, they have great pay, they have great stability. We tend to think of the huge companies as being the ones I should be at. Well, huge companies are sloughing off employees every day. Yeah. We don't understand that, you know? So I think if you're going to be successful, you need to have focus and clarity and own what you want, not what someone else tells you you should have.
0: I love that because to me, and I have seen this on the employer side, if you like are so clear about your purpose or what you want and the kind of people that you want to attract, they tend to gravitate towards you, especially if they believe what you believe. On the personal side, it's no different. It's like, if you're very clear about what you want and you tell people, you're more likely to attract that. I mean, you send it out in the universe, you're likely to get the same thing back.
1: Let me tell you a story. And I have to tell stories about me because I just know me. That years and years ago, in the early days of career makers, I was looking to both enhance our brand and our clients. And I'd been a fan of of talk radio. And we had you know, Bruce Williams and Sally Jesse Ralph. were on a a talk radio long, long time time ago, ago, before talk radio was what it is today. And I would listen to those people and they were on KXL. And so I went to KXL and I thought, you know, could we partner and maybe do a job fair and bring in Bruce Williams because he's through one of your programs. And one thing led to another and KXL and CareerMakers and some others partnered and we created a really huge career fair. In fact, we did two of them. Wow. And we did those for a number of years and we brought in Bruce Williams, and we brought in some other people. And we had, you know, maybe 15,000 people that came to very different time, very different time, though. So after the career fair, we'd get together with the people at KXL and debrief. And because we did two of them a year, then we went back down to one. We're talking about keeping our presence in the community. I was talking to the general manager, and again, this was a long time ago. And I said, you know, we were talking about this presence. I said, maybe you should have a radio show about job and career. He said, so, well, let's talk about that. And so I promoted that, well, maybe Peter and Pam should have a radio show wow. that would be focused on people and transitions. That would keep your audience focused on and your commitment to helping people find new jobs. And so when the career fair came along, you'd already built in this audience of... Exactly. Seemed to make sense. And so they hired us. And I remember the general manager said something like, God, you've just hoodwinked me. I said, what do you mean by that? He said, well, you didn't have a test tape. You didn't have an audio tape. You hadn't been in this before, and I hired you. He hired me because he knew me.
0: And you were clear about what you wanted.
1: Yeah. We were on the air for a couple of years. It was a popular show and it was sold out by advertisers. Incredible. Now, I'm saying we're better than anybody else, but that's real life experience that I can relate to how people hire people that they know. And we like to hire like-minded people, particularly in the, the world of social service, for example. Nonprofits. That is I think for a lot of people, there's still the stinking thinking is that you can't get paid to work in a nonprofit or social service. That's old, old news. Because there are thousands of people in our community right here that work for the world of nonprofits and make six figures. Mm-hmm. But again, those people, because they're very mission-oriented, tend to hire from their volunteer organization. Again, we—it's an example of hiring like-minded people. That's what it's all about. But we can only hire like-minded people when we know what those people's minds and hearts are. Absolutely. And I think that's the challenge because we've moved away from. Networking in person to networking in social media, which is not nearly as effective. It keeps us very isolated and keeps us very remote.
0: How do we get better at the in-person networking?
1: I think just understand that that's only a tool. Remember that LinkedIn or Facebook or Twitter, and I'm not anti any of those. They're out there to promote themselves, and and so they're telling the world how wonderful they are. I'm not saying they're not wonderful, but I think we get we allow that to rule our process. And we forget about the people in the next room because they can't help us. My sister can't help us. My mother can't help us. My dad or uncle. Why? Well, they don't know anything about this. How do you know? Well, they you know That's a little scenario I think we play. And I think that we need to talk to people who know us and like us. And that hasn't changed. The people that we, we share our daily life with, that hasn't changed. The people that we volunteer with or socialize with or, you know, whatever, Those should be your first resources. Absolutely. And we, then we gotta tell them where we are in the process and be open with. I I think think people are, I
0: think people are embarrassed about being open about it. Absolutely. Like, hey, I'm struggling right now. Absolutely. Find something.
1: This process is 90% emotional. This process, not event, this is a process that goes, goes on. I think it's 90% emotional. It's how you're feeling about yourself, how you're feeling about your world, and how you're feeling about the people in your world. And because we let the process run us, we don't feel good about any of those things. Exactly and then we get isolated, and then we get depressed.
0: Well, you beautifully said that social media is a tool, and I totally agree with that. It's like if people are hiding behind their computers and just using that as their only way of of sending out resumes and just wondering why they're not finding anything, it's because they're not seeing it as a tool, an intermediary between you Mm -hmm. and another person or an employer. So if you want to go network, connect with the people you know, your friends, family, old colleagues, whomever, people that you know on social media, sure, but it's a communication tool, right? It's, yeah. hey, because I know you're on here, let's go grab coffee next week.
1: But it's somebody you know. Somebody you know, yeah. I don't think we, I think it's very challenging to establish and utilize relationships on the internet. I think we can use the internet and social media to utilize and maintain and enhance established relationships. Sure. But to create new ones yeah, is pretty challenging. It can be challenging. Get, because we don't stand out. There's just zillions of people out there.
0: But like your, so your point about you had a radio show, you, you built an audience around that and then you had a career fair right after that. Yeah. So you cultivated relationships organically through that radio show and then you got people to come to your career fair. So whether you, whether you had relationships directly with people or not, you, you created those, those ties. Yeah. I'm doing the same thing with this podcast here. People listen. They sort of know me, but they can reach out to me anytime and make a connection with me a personal connection. That's and right. I think that's how you organically cultivate relationships through social media,
1: using yeah. it as a tool. Yeah. Referrals, like on LinkedIn, I get referral, I request for linking all the time. But it's... From... Blast, Europe.
0: But people just blast them out. Yeah, and, and why should I want to do no that? There's no context yeah. in it. It's really no. frustrating. So
1: again, we tend to build up these walls. Yeah. You know, and, and I think that From, we mentioned a minute ago, you know, resumes from a process standpoint, from an organic process standpoint, I think that when we use resumes too early in the process, it tends to work against us because we're on the Internet. If we're kind of here at the beginning of the process, I think we can maybe do a resume or a document or image board or word board or whatever to start owning what it is that we want to be taking forward. That's fine to be working that here because we don't know where the next better fantastic job is out here in the universe someplace. If we don't have that kind of information or focus or clarity, to be sending resumes out down here is generally going to keep us down here. But if we're in the process and we're talking to somebody at a company or an organization and they say, yeah, we think that, Brandon, you make a really great employee here and I'd like to take the next step, so can you give me your resume? That's very different because now I know the person who's asking for my resume. That's absolutely key from the resume process. Because now I know that person, I know what they want it for. Now I can ask him or her, what specifically do you want to see on my resume? What skills, what knowledge is what experience? See, I'm, I'm creating a sales brochure. Yeah. I've got to know my audience. <laughs> what sort of layout, what sort of format works best for you? Do you want samples of my work? Do you want letters of reference? How would you like me to deliver this to you? See, now I'm in the I know rather than the I wonder. From a resume standpoint, if you don't have this type of information, it's a crapshoot. It's an absolute crapshoot. So that's very different than just looking at the window of the world on the internet versus the window on the world with the I know because I know the person.
0: That's interesting because one of my questions I was going to ask you later on was about tips on resumes. Yeah, I've seen a thousand different formats, but you just said something that was enlightening. It's know your audience, know what, they, what they're looking for, and then that's how you build your resume. Absolutely.
1: If you don't know the person who wants it, it's a crapshoot. It is. Talk to salespeople, and i worked with a lot of salespeople over the years, and even they forget because they'll be referred to me and first, you know, intake and talk about, it. well, I got to do a resume.
0: So why? I'm just going to pump this thing You're out. You're going to pump
1: this baby out. Well, <laughs> wait a minute. You've been selling this. If you've been sending out just brochures to potential clients, what sort of response would you receive? Oh, nothing. Well, what's well, the no, difference? No what's doubt. the difference? If you want to get your product in Foot Locker or Dick's or, you know, whatever, what would be the process that we would use? You just send, blandly send them out? A... No. What would you do? I'd like go in. and start meeting people. Hello. Unless you know your audience, then it's a crapshoot. If you don't know what they're looking for, what they want to see from a resume or a proposal or whatever.
0: You've really got to think like a marketer.
1: Absolutely. And who are you marketing?
0: Marketing to an employer. You're marketing yourself. You're
1: marketing yourself. But you've got to know what the, the buyer is looking for. Yeah, exactly. If we don't know the people, if we don't know both the analytics of it and the emotions of what they're looking for, then it's a crapshoot. I mean, I mean, I'm blessed that probably 95% of my business comes by referral. Even though I have a website, pretty static, and I have a LinkedIn page, pretty static. I don't have a Twitter, I don't have a Facebook, and I'm blessed that it comes by referrals. But when people call me and say, Peter, we need you, sort of the magic words, we all like to be here, you know, <laughs> like to hear, we all want to be wanted. What I have to be careful of is just jumping on that and telling them all these things I can do without knowing really what they want, what they need, yeah. you know? So when they call or email me and tell me, this is what we need, or we need you, I say, let's talk. And I need to listen. That's key. Need to listen to hear what they're saying and how they're saying it. So then I can respond with focus and clarity to them, not just me. Part of the problem with us is that we talk, we give them way too much information because everything in me is important well, it may be important to me, but it's not important to her. So I need to listen to her or him and respond directly to what they want, what they're saying, and then build a relationship, build a conversation, and build focus and clarity around that. And I think we don't understand that from particularly from a job seeker standpoint.
0: So as we kind of wrap up, because we've gone a little long and I know we've got a kind of time crunch here, but I wanted to get your opinion on just the overall job market as you, as you see it. I mean, you, you're talking to a ton of people, ton of employers, ton of job seekers. What's the landscape right now?
1: I think it's very good. You know, compared to where it was in, you know, six years ago, it's good. I still think employers are hiring more carefully today.
0: More of that hidden job market yeah, thing going on. Yeah. You know,
1: and I think the process takes longer. I think. Oh, that's interesting. They're trying to, you know, even though the market is high, I think unemployment now is probably. You can't rely on the statistics. Of course not, yeah. Um, but I think that people want to work their jobs out there. From a percentage standpoint, most of them are given and created for people who know and like one another. That's the hidden job market. It's all through referral. It's how to manage the process. But even, you know, I think there are more real jobs on the Internet than there have been. Again, it, it, if you know how to manage the process, you have focus and clarity and have a game plan, you have a, a good plan of action, you'll find work. The market's good.
0: In the last couple of years, and maybe even longer than that, I've been hearing buzzwords like talent crunch, talent shortage. It's an employee market right now. Is that still true today?
1: I think part of that problem that you hear about is probably the transference of information because I think a lot of that is resulting from the social media, the internet. Absolutely. And, and head- you don't headlines, transfer. Headlines, it's yeah. hard for us to transfer information from one to another when it's impersonal. And if you're focused... You have clarity about the industry that you would like to research and investigate and, in best case, work in. There's opportunities there. Most of the things that you and I do for fun, there are people in your community that are doing that and getting paid for it. Why not you? <gasps> oh my God, that's scary.
0: As we wrap this up, what are really good next steps for somebody who is job seeking?
1: You've got to create a foundation of knowledge. You know, do a vision board, do a color board, do something that helps you to start identifying the difference between what you can do and what you want to do. If you've been in an industry for a long time, if you held certain job titles for a long time, I understand that it's hard for individuals to think beyond those because we have all this momentum going. If that's where you want to stay, then that's fine. But if people want to make changes, and an awful lot of people want to make changes, then you have to look at yourself differently. You have to start owning how unique and how special you are. And that doesn't mean you're better or worse than, it's owning who you are. I have an interest in flying the aviation and airplanes. I have an interest in travel. I have an interest in boats. Most people have those things. I'll talk to my clients and say, well, what about working in those areas of interest? Oh, I can't. Oh, if I did that, it wouldn't be fun anyway. You know? The people that we look at who are successful, by whatever definition, definition you put the word success, are probably enjoying what they're doing. You know, We all know people who are doing things they can do, and I'm not sure they're reaching their potential. So I think it's it's really critical to understand there's a difference between what I can do and what I want to do. And if I'm doing things that put a smile on my face, then I'm probably going to be more successful at it by whatever definition you put. Look at Warren Buffett. Yeah, He's at, what is 89? And I don't know him personally. But when I see him in the media, he always seems to have a lot of energy. And he smiles a lot. Well,
0: well, if I'm a gazillionaire,
1: I smile too. (laughs) But I think he's a gazillionaire because he's been smiling along the way. I mean, here's the Oracle of Omaha. Hello. Who said a guy in Omaha, Nebraska, 89 years ago would be a zillionaire? Because that's not where the financial market is, is it? Impossible.
0: No, he knew what he wanted.
1: But he knew what he wanted and went after it. But he's enjoying what he does. You look at other people, whatever the area of interest that are really good at it today or good at it today, they generally come out on stage or wherever they are with a smile. You know, what would you love to do if you could do the thing at all without fear of failure? <sighs> that's, it's a
0: good, a, that's a good question to pose.
1: It's beyond more. I think,
0: I think people need to consider that question. And you know, so I them think themselves.
1: in terms of finding jobs, whether it's finding a job in the same area of interest, there's all sorts of companies within the area of interest or organizations or to take a fresh look at a whole new future. I mean, I think we have a lot of options if we own who we are first. Well
0: said, Peter. Well, I appreciate you joining the podcast. Where can people find you, learn about you? You're an author of a book. Maybe you want to promote that a little bit too.
1: Well, the book is Want a New Better? Fantastic job. It's available on Amazon. Uh, my website is com. We're located in Portland, Oregon.
0: Awesome. Peter Pascal, thank you so much for joining the podcast. Appreciate it. Thanks for it. the opportunity. Flex. Yeah, you bet. Thanks for listening to the Human Resources for Small Business Podcast. Subscribe to this podcast and leave us a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out our blog at www.zeniumhr.com forward slash blog and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn to hear about the latest in HR and leadership. The information on today's episode is for educational purposes only and should not be taken as legal or customized advice for you or your organization. This podcast is hosted and fully produced by Brandon Laws, that's me, and created and owned by Zenium Resources, Inc. For more information or to contact us, visit www.zeniumhr.com.